Here's to being dead. You're taking this extremely well. Taking what extremely well? That I'm here. I don't give a goddamn if you're dead. Or time traveling or the ghost of Christmas past. All I care about is this whiskey. So bottoms up. Get the hell out of my house. everyone welcome back to gundam and mhq this is uh your host neil and joining me always is Sobro and chris guys say hello what's happening yo yo is right and this is episode 191 of gundam and mhq and um gosh we got, got kind of a, a a nice little uh nice couple of nice topics here to talk about tonight so uh, we'll, we'll try to get through them as quick as possible but we're going to be covering uh episode five of Gundam the Origin, uh, the ongoing OVA of the Gundam the Origin, I guess the ad- live adapt or the anime adaptation of the manga. Um, gosh, when did we talk about the um, the the manga? We did that in a couple episodes, right? And that was a well, while long back. Time ago. Well, yeah, the manga yeah. was like spread throughout. Uh, I think like, the length of like two years. Yeah, yep. as as they were kind of coming out. Yep. So. Um, yes. So this is going to be the anime adaptation of that, and then we're going to hit a kind of a sh- um, a net. I guess it's just a, a one of those net animation things. Some shorts of Gundam Twilight Axis is about six episodes. Um, you know, uh, anywhere from about five six episodes to or five six minutes to about nine minutes in some of these episodes. Um, once again, set in the UC world, and um, uh, then we're going to hit. Episodes three and four of Bill Fighter's Battle Logs. So, uh, guys, anything as I saunter over to the Larry King Memorial News Studio? You are the king. You are the king. Some news, listeners, minute news. I'm happy to hear what's going on in the world of uh, the world of uh, mecha anime, man. All right, let's see what we got. Oh man, you know it's going to be a good show. First poster, Bent Noir. <laughs> and he's got a link to uh, the Anime News Network, and I guess there is a airbrush system for Gunpla models that's going to ship in February. So all you Gunpla builders out there have a new way to smooth the finish when coloring <laughs> your prize. What? To get a smooth finish when you color in your prize plastic models. GS Cirrus unveiled its Gundam marker airbrush system mm-hmm. at the 57th All Japan Model and Hobby Show event. So, um, yeah. I guess. Oh wow! So basically, it's taking the Gundam markers and it's basically basically an airbrush tool, and you you blow the Gundam marker using the airbrush on it. Wow, that's pretty cool. Looks like um, the airbrush system is going to include airbrush unit mm-hmm. and three markers for about thirty four hundred yen or about thirty U thirty dollars US, and they go on sale in February of next year. So um, wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, man, you could probably you could tag your Gunpla, man. Yeah, it does look pretty cool. I'm looking at it right yeah. now, and it's uh. You're it's, laughing at us, bro. Oh yeah, but you, the way you delivered it, you sounded like a a, a commercial voice. <laughs> well, I was trying to do it. 
<laughs> sound like you were selling me, selling me on it. I, I, I couldn't help but, uh, but chuckle a little bit. But uh, now that I see I'm, this, it's like, man. I'm Billy Mays for the Gunpla Airbrush System. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Actually, I want to be slap chopped, dude. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, boys? <laughs> How much there, dude? How, uh, cruising for hookers down in South Florida. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> I remember he got caught for that or he something. He sure did. So. Uh, but yeah, no, that's some some pretty cool stuff there. So, Solbro, are you going to get that for your when you out uh, for your outsourcing your Foxconn that you use for uh, your Gunpla models? Yes, I when, e I, show? when I become an industrious <laughs> uh, model builder uh, that gets other people to build for me, yes, I, we will we will invest in this device. <laughs> oh, it's show on strike now for better wages. Yes, he is. He uh, oh, he put his, he put his foot down. <laughs> Well, thank you for Mr. Uh, Vent Noir for your submission. Oh, Mr. Philly Gun, Philly Gundam fan comes and says that for the oh, I know Chris is on the edge of his seat for this one. Oh, the Gundam C HD remastered dub, more cast has been announced, Chris, and uh, they they got uh, La Crusade and the Archangel crew. Guess who Ra La Crusade is going to be voiced by? That, that's a good question. <laughs> Kevin T. Collins. I don't know who that is. So. <laughs> Well, I, I I hear that you don't uh, have to you don't have to comment on everyone. No, no, uh, I'm not not going to. I just hear that it's it is a different um a different studio doing the dub. So that's that's interesting. And uh, yeah, it's a whole bunch of people. Uh, Maru Ramirez, Carrie Kiranen, uh, Bajeral is going to be Lisa Ortiz, mm-hmm. Mula Flaga is Tom Whalen. Um, do you guys know any of these people? I've well, Lisa Ortiz, I know uh, from way back in the old days from the Slayers. Thank you. That's oh, why. Okay. That's why her name is familiar. Yeah, she was. Uh, she uh, was Lena, Lena Inverse. Lena Inverse. That's right. That's right. So she's gonna be uh, Badgerul. Nice. Good stuff. Yeah. So um, Arnold Newman is Ben Pro Pro Prosky. Um, uh, Delilia is Christian Lamonte. Uh, Jackie. Jackie Tonemaru. Who the heck was that in Gundam Seed? I don't even know. Romeo Powell. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, he's got the list there, so check it out. And uh, check. I, hey, Gundam Seed re, uh, HD remaster. You get to see Kira's face in, on three different characters. It's <laughs> 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 HD. So I know everybody's waiting for it, especially Chris. I know he can't love. Actually, he's, he's waiting for Gundam Seed Destiny. That's what he told us. Off air. Oh boy! <laughs> so, uh, thank you, Mister Philly Gundam fan, for your submission. Oh, the next one comes from Yokozuna Bulldozer, and it looks like there's some epic, epic giant battle robot battle scheduled for October 17th, and that that that's in the past, but I guess there was. Oh, I remember seeing this. All these people mm-hmm. that were doing the um, the giant robot fight. Yep. Yeah, one one actually looked like uh, a Rick uh, Rick Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> the red one here. If you look at it, it looks like a Rick Diaz. I kind of so, does. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. wonder if it's inspired by that. So thank you, Mr. Uh, Yokozuna Bulldozer. Sorry for the late uh, late thing. Just blame it on Soul Pro. Right, well, um, as always. Yeah, just blame it on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one comes from Vent Noir. And uh, he's got a uh, a link here to the Animated News Network. And it looks like uh, Matt Cross and Aquarian's Calamori unveils a spring anime called... Jushiki Pandora. So um, it's going to be. It's uh, it's. It was talked about in a new project briefing. It's going to premiere next spring. So um, 
you go to Mr. Ventnoir's link here, there's some pictures. Looks like there's a little bit of a trailer. Um, you know, this kind of looks like it's going to be one of these uh, environmental ones. So oh, I'm, sure Chris will be, I'm sure Chris is going to be all over that. So um, check that out. And Ventnoir comes back with another submission here. Looks like um, the Tokyo Skytree celebrated Macross's 35th anniversary this winter. So they're going to celebrate it um, <clears throat> with an event that's going to be held in the Tokyo Skytree from January 9 to February 28 of next year. Um, they're going to have decorations fe- featuring all the Macross characters. And video content related to the franchise is going to be on a screen in the Tembo deck. They're going to, of course, the Tokyo Skytree shop's going to offer um, merchandise. So, And the cafe is going to deal with um, a menu showcasing the the uh, franchise. So um, anybody that's able to be in Japan during that time, you know, check it out. I guess there was, uh, back in September here, there was a concert that was called the Super Dimensional Orchestral Music, Remembering Healthy Wings, a uh, concert that was held... Um, held in the Tokyo International Forum, mm-hmm. and it also marked the 10th anniversary of composer Kentaro Hanada. So, um, and there was some 35th anniversary stamps that were unveiled in August. So, yeah, a lot of stuff going on there. And the Macross Delta, the movie, Passionate Walker, is going to open on February 9th. So, man, if you wanted, if you were wondering if there was any Macross out there, there is. So, uh, <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your session. Oh, my God. And Mr. Vent Noir comes up with our last uh, submission here. And it looks like uh, the Pacific Rim Uprising director says, a crossover with Godzilla and King Kong is possible in the Pacific Rim universe. Wow, that'd be kind of cool, right? Yeah, it's pretty awesome, man. Uh, the, the people have been hoping if uh, it's going to build up to this. And um, I guess depending on how successful these movies are, we might when actually see them cross over. Who knows? I saw, um, I watched King Kong when I flew to Hawaii. I watched King Kong on the plane. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson kind of, <laughs> he was great. <laughs> but uh, did either one of you guys see that movie? I I haven't seen all of it. I, I've only seen bits and pieces of it. I've been meaning to sit down good. and watch I mean, it. King Kong, I mean, not much more. You can, and, of course, it's got Loki in it. Oh. And he was doing Loki things. Loki things. <laughs> So, but yeah, I mean, I guess that would be kind of cool if they could do some type of crossover film. Um, and I guess they're the planned Godzilla King Kong crossover film is going to be slated for May 22nd of 2020. So mm-hmm. I, what is it? The sequel to Godzilla is coming out in 2019. So still a long time away. If you really think about it, it feels like a it. lot. Yeah, it really kind of does, huh? 2019, so, the year of Blade Runner, man. It still feels like the future, man. It's almost oh right yeah, here. That's right. Yeah. And soon we'll have polluted streets and, and skylines and, and holographic women. <laughs> well, I think we have some of that. We'll probably go back to polluted streets as some people get their ways. And, oh, yeah. You know, so, hey, it's all full circle, man. So uh, thank you, Mr. Matt Noir, for your submissions. And thank you, everybody, for all your submissions. And if you ever have anything that you'd like for us for like us to read just go to the neos listeners news articles thread and section in the gundams in the gundam section of the mecha talk forum so guys anything else before we go to our topics tonight nope nope 
So, uh, Senior Chris, would you would you would you like to start us off with a little little recap, little some of the MHQ magic? Let's work our way up from the small stuff. We'll start with episode three of Build Fighters Battlelog, which is a little bit different because it's set entirely in character of Gunpla based on Fumina and Gyanko exploring a fantasy world and finding a village where all of the bear guys have been crucified, leaving behind a bunch of frightened petite guys. So they investigate and find the culprit is actually all the leftover Akagai heads that aren't used during bear guy construction who are angry that they don't get to be full gunpla. So their hatred has caused them to turn into this big monster. And it's up to Fumina and Gyanko to save the day with the help of LED toy accessories. Uh, <laughs> gentlemen, any thoughts on this short? Oh, uh, it's uh, just good fun. Um, I mean, as soon as you sit there and, and watch Infumina and Gyanko just walking, I think it was uh, Lord Miyagi's house or something. Yeah. I think that, and I'm just sitting there going, okay, I, I see where this is going. And then you see, of course, you're like, oh, all the bear guys. So of course, it's you're like, oh, this is going to be immediately a cute episode. But then it was the eternal question that really should have been on all of our minds: these bear guys are cute, but where did the Akai heads go? Oh, and do the Akai do do Akai heads actually have feelings? Well, that was they are, they do, and they were hurt, and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty funny. Um, the fact that they're using the LED units of Gunpla, uh, <laughs> recharging at one point, helping Gyanko and Fumina recharge like Birdman went to the sun. Yes, I was like, um, I was like, okay, <laughs> this is. This is because they're sitting there like I'm getting stronger, <laughs> and it's just it's Chine and a bunch of bear guys that are coming up with and petite bear guys with um, the LED uh, gunpla accessories. So of course, which is so like 70s anime. Yes, I, yes. That was, I was going to yeah. say yeah. <laughs> uh, we we get a cut into what the actual gunpla factory looked like. That mm-hmm. was interesting. It's just it, weird. A little weird. I was. I think would have made it even better is if they had one of them like animated next to it, doing like one of those like you know you ever see like those safety movies and like production plans <laughs> like you know <laughs> this is a robot. If you're on the production line, always wear your eye protection. Right. <laughs> always wear your you know that that would have been kind of that a little bit more funny. But yeah, a little weird. Um, but um, yeah, it was definitely a great uh, way of doing a crossover showing. How gunpla works and 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 hawking the LED uh, gunpla accessory. So <laughs> <laughs> definitely good fun. So that's all I can say. Yeah, man, it was. Uh, I had a lot of fun. And watching. definitely play on Magical Girl anime tropes. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 um, any way of getting uh, Fumina in less and less clothing as uh, <laughs> battles with Gunpla. So. Yeah, um, I know for for the most part, uh, I had a lot of fun with this episode. It felt like a throwback to like uh, old school RPGs and uh, SD mm. the SD Gundam shorts where it was uh, the Night Gundam. I think when it was either Night or Samurai, I forget which, but it felt like a little bit of a play on that as well. Um, the music was a, a bit of a throwback, and then uh, to have a, a China guy show up. <laughs> <laughs> Pretend- to not know who they are. That yeah, was funny. Too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what were the names? Super Fumina and Hyper Gyanko. <laughs> Hyper Gyanko, yeah. 
a lot of fan service, a lot of uh, a lot of shoujo, uh, magical uh, magical girl uh, antics, and um, it was actually pretty neat to learn about uh, Echo Gunpla. I know that um, I know that Build Fighters touched upon it, but this kind of had like a, a little a little message about recycling your gunpla and uh, that fact that it can have a second life. So I, I dug that little aspect of it. But yeah, um, uh, that seventies throw, that seventies moment where uh, there's that that viewer participation moment where you hold up your LED uh, lights. I held up my cell phone. <laughs> I didn't have a lighter on me, so I, I I had to get in on it. I had to feel the. I, I was feeling uh, I was feeling the funk, and it was uh, it was great, man. I I had a blast watching this. And shout outs to Prince Bakufe. I wish we could have seen him. Hey guys, you want to know something funny though? What's that? Mm. There were negative comments on YouTube about this. What? Oh really? Like what? I know you're shocked. <laughs> a little, little shocked. I, I, know, I know you're shocked. Um, it, the mere existence of this episode was enough to send a bunch of dudes into apoplexy oh, because, no. uh, you know, what's this girl crap? And uh, one guy's actually saying, "I don't want this pussy shit. I want like real stuff for men and mobile suits fighting and uh, and people." And and people complaining about trying to appeal to new audiences and what's this sissy stuff and you know blah 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 and thinking to myself like boy there seem to be entirely too many guys who define their sexuality based off of plastic robots that's kind of scary. <laughs> well, that's well. I mean, they do know that there's lots of other Gundam out there that satisfies all those requirements. So there's just this one little what twelve minute short. They could just bypass it. They don't have to be completionists on this. So yeah, it's ten minutes of your life, idiots. Yeah. Like, if you don't like it, don't. Nobody told you to watch it. Yeah, you don't have to watch it again. I mean, it's a free society. I just can't believe that they, they don't realize that all these shorts are tongue in cheek to begin with. They're they're all well. They they just want endless combat. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. For what to men. Say. For for men. <laughs> yeah. Bye, man. God forbid there's going to be a female-centric Gundam series because their their heads are going to explode, and I can't wait for that day. I really fucking can't wait. Well, I, I don't think Bandai will oblige, so you're gonna yeah, probably not keep on <laughs> till you're uh, that that picture of a skeleton on a bench. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh shit. So anyway, um. Moving on to episode four, brings back the um, old K9 team, the most serious gunpla guys ever. Oh, yeah. The Renato brothers. The men. <laughs> For all those guys that, that hated on the Fumina and Gianco episode. Well, basically, are these guys dudes yeah. <laughs> who are totally these guys. Mm-hmm. So. We are revisiting these guys from the first series of um, Build Fighters, who are the uh, war freaks, the Renato brothers. Mm-hmm. Although this time they have a third brother named Serio. And these guys are so like into like the role play of their um, battle that they actually carved 144th scale pilot figures of themselves and are role-playing like camping out with their mobile suits (laughs) which is why 
they have limited movements and they talk all funny at the start of the episode. Exactly. I was wondering what the hell was going on. It's like the animation is really sucking this episode, and then I realized that oh, these these guys are to scale. <laughs> the little avatars for them. That's pretty nice. Yes. Uh, so they're using custom GNXs, and they fight against a. Uh, <clears throat> variation of the Karadim Gundam. They blow it up, and then they find themselves uh, annoyingly fighting a perfect grade Exia that's completely out of scale and completely counter to the serious war role-playing that they wanted. And in the end, it's a draw when the un- all units are destroyed, and they discover that the person trolling them was Majin Kawaguchi. <laughs> I thought that was actually awesome. <laughs> Cheating ass Majin. <laughs> so, uh, gentlemen, your thoughts on this part? So, bro? Oh, for me, man, uh, I, I I thought it was enjoyable. It's not my favorite one, to be honest with you, but it was cool mm-hmm. to see the uh, the double O uh, uh, suits get focused on this particular episode. And I, I noticed something on, at the end of the last episode that uh, when they show the previews, they kind of allude to what uh, series is next to be focused on <laughs> um, with the little bear guy that uh, transitions you to the title. And I noticed it showed the uh, uh, Celestial Being logo on it. So uh, I had a feeling it was double O plus, of course, the silhouettes of the suits. So I wasn't disappointed. Um, got to see a little bit of that and to see that they were up against... You know uh, they've been doing that since episode one, right? Yeah, I never noticed it until, <laughs> until, the, really? until the end of the third episode. Yeah, yeah, I, I just... Uh, I noticed the silhouettes, but I didn't notice that I'd actually confirm it with the uh, the little insignia on the on the bear guy every time. So um, yeah, uh, but still, I, I thought it was a, f- uh, a fun episode. It was cool to see um, a bit bit uh, uh, the the bit part uh, uh, villains, not even villains, but the some of the competition from uh, Build Fighters get focused on the uh, Renato brothers uh, to see them return and go up against uh, Lock on Stratos in that sexy ass Cheridan Gundam. Uh, the Cheridan Gundam uh, Saga type GBF. That, that shit is actually pretty cool. I'd love to have a model of that. But uh, then all of a sudden when uh, PGXia shows up, I realize this is uh, this is more commercial than uh, all the other ones that I've seen so far. Because <laughs> I just saw the trailer for the PGXia and, um, and it looks sexy as all hell. And then to see it get focused on in this episode, I was like, well, they're there. They're doing their job with advertising this. And, uh, yeah, to see at the very end when they open up the cockpit and you see that to scale sets it to there, I, I just laughed. I, I, and then, of course, to find out who was piling it the whole time was, uh, the Majin. The Majin, the, the Majin is, uh, it, it was a nice delight just to see him there just smiling with a shit eating grin. <laughs> yeah, but those guys are, those guys are hardcore, man. But uh, that's all I had to say. A little too hardcore. Yeah. Uh, Neo. Yeah, and, that that kind of you know coming from the uh, Fumina and Gianco episode, it's quite a it's it's quite a herky jerky stop for you. I mean, not even really herky jerky, just complete stop. Um, yeah, it, it's weird because you're sitting there going at first, what is wrong with everybody? Why is everybody uh, acting this way? Yeah. But then when you but then when you find out that they're scaled versions of themselves, and you know just how everything's out of proportion with the battles, very interesting. Um, and I just like seeing the Exia just just kicking some butt. <laughs> it's such a it's such a great suit for some of the things that it does, and the fact that you find out that the Majin's been uh, trolling them is just makes it even better. But um, yeah, I'd have to say of of the four episodes so far that I've seen, probably my least favorite. 
but uh, still not a bad one. But um, you know, uh, not everything can be great. So, Chris, I think there's a, a definite message to be taken away from this when even someone who's as serious business about Gumpla as Majin Kawaguchi is trolling you that you're probably taking stuff way too seriously, which is (laughs) these three guys with their war porn. Yeah, pretty much. It's a nice commentary on those all too serious jerks in, uh, in the chat for the, uh, sorry, in the YouTube comments for the previous episode. It's like this, 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 this episode came at the right time. That's, that's who those guys are. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Hey, you're right. It actually does. Yeah. It actually does kind of coincide with their, and you know, the comments on this episode were for a little bunch of guys saying, like, yeah, that's more like it. Like, well, you, you just proved the point of the <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure they'll all be a hit with the ladies when they... When they... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oy. yeah. What, wouldn't surprise me if a bunch of them are incels, but that's neither here nor there. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> you I didn't went do. there. I don't give a shit. I'm retiring. Doesn't doesn't matter. He's walking away like Come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> He's retiring. What were your thoughts, Chris? Uh I enjoyed it. It, it was uh you know, I always enjoy seeing double O suits in action. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to see the Karadim Gundam saga from Double O V. Um plus the the custom GNXs that the brothers were using. So I was also amused by the um kind of just Dumb, expressionless, one um, sixty of scale Setsuna figure mm-hmm. sitting in the cockpit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. That was amusing. So, I enjoyed it, and I don't know how many more episodes we'll be getting of Battlelog. But if you paid attention to the end of the episode, Solbro, oh, yes. you could definitely see the <laughs> for episode 5 are seed focused. Yes, they are. And, and the episode's name is uh, Gundam Battle. And apparently uh, the insignia on the uh, on the bear this time is the uh, Gundam Cafe logo. So uh, I'm wondering uh, how that's going to play into the episode. So that's pretty cool. Alright, well we're going to move on to another Gundam short of a, of a sort. And that is... Gundam Twilight Axis. Oh. So this is, um, I don't know what you call this. Uh, <laughs> you, you would call it um, things happen in no comprehensible order and and move stiffly. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, think that's a, I think that's a good way of describing it. Maybe uh, a lot of nothing. Is probably another way. All right, maybe, so maybe. I'm going to break this down because I've I've done the the background on this. Mm-hmm. So it's an ONA that was uh, 22 minutes long, broken up into five three minute parts and one uh, nine minute part. Right, mm-hmm. and it was just um, incomprehensible. I think would be the the word. Would you guys agree? I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't follow it. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I really couldn't, and and. Sorry, Solbro, I'm starting to talk over you. No, but go ahead. I, I just, as I was starting to try to get the characters that were there, then I get a flash of Char, then I get Lala, then I get the Elmith, then I get the Zazabi, then I get this, and I just didn't know what was going on. You have a girl that's a new type, but somehow her new type ability is akin to being an engineer. <laughs> I 
that I don't even get. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess there could be something with it, and I guess maybe it's a new spin on the new type thing, but why did that even matter in the end? And, yeah, I at the end, I sat there and I said, what did I spend 20, 22 minutes watching? I, 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 I pieced it together myself. Uh, I, I did a little research on this, too, and uh, my understanding of it is uh, when it opens up, of course, we get we see Char and uh, Lala, and apparently uh, they were at Texas Colony uh, as they were developing the Gelgoog, and we found out that the developer of the Gelgoog is this little girl named Arlet Armage, uh, who was in well, the... Well, that's, that's not, that's not uh, quite accurate. Well, was she one of the engineers that worked on it? Because She was a maintenance person on the Gelgook. Really? Cause yeah. Because uh, it made it seem like she actually had a, a, a bit of a hand in the development of it, too. She oh. was there to, to help tune it for Char. Yeah. And, um, let, let, let me explain this from the start in a way that actually makes sense. Go for it. So, this ONA is adapted from a serialized novel that actually is still going in mm-hmm. Yatate Bunko. And... The story is that uh, this girl, Arlette Almage, was in the Flanagan Institute yep. as a child. Mm-hmm. She ex- experimented upon, and she was going to be disposed of because they did not find that she had any aptitude for piloting mobile suits to the level that they wanted. Mm-hmm. However, Shar recognized that she had a brilliant mind for mobile suit engineering, and he basically rescued her from the Institute and put her to work on uh, mobile suit development, and she, as it turns out, assisted with the design of the Elmeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't get the fact that she... I never... I don't know where you got... The, she was, like, the lead designer. I just thought she was... Fixing it because I thought she said she just helped tune up the Galgoog. It was yes, the conversation. Tuning up the Galgoog yeah. for for sure. I know, I know what she's. I yeah. know the conversation you're talking about. Yeah, with but Danton and her, and Danton she... made it sound like she had everything to do with why the Galgoog worked so well because he test piloted it as well as test piloted the. Cause, he, what, mm-hmm. what he was saying was that it just works so well because she's that good of a mechanic. Okay, right, right on. Right on. I, I, I misconstrued that then. So uh, Danton, he's a test pilot who has. Uh, amazing piloting skills on the level of Char, mm-hmm. but he doesn't like war and killing, so he can't bring himself to shoot anyone. And he's about to be discharged, so Char recruits him as a test pilot. Right. So they're kind of there in the background of the one-year war. Then MSG ends. They go and they chill on Axis. And as a result of all of the new type experiments done on Arlette, she ages very slowly. Mm-hmm. So that's why, uh, come UC 0096, when this takes place, she still looks like a teenager, even though she's in her 20s. Wow. Anyway, uh, they were with Char during the second Neo Zeon War, and uh, they helped with the development of uh, Sazabi. Yeah. So now we come to 0096, and this guy named Mehmet Merka from. Uh, the Federation forces, he um, finds them because they've been hiding on uh, Libot from Double O Lady. They've oh, been nice. living on that colony. What? Nice. And they've been hiding out since, you know, technically they're criminals because they're Zeons. Mm-hmm. And he basically tells them that 
uh, as a result of the Laplace incident and the two unicorns stopping the colony laser, that the Federation is freaked out about the idea of any psychoframe data still being out in the wild. Ah. So he's putting together a team to go to Axis and search for any like hidden labs or data or whatever to make sure that nobody can get their hands on it mm-hmm. and keep developing psychoframe stuff. Right. So their team goes to Axis, and as soon as they get there, they get attacked by mysterious mobile suits, including a Gundam <laughs> that... Uh, it looks suspiciously suspiciously similar to you. That's because it's, in essence, a Franken mobile suit based off of the Alex. Yep. Yeah. Good. And they're trying to get to the data. They find some old suits that Arlette had worked on and that Danton had piloted, including uh, a Red Zaku 3. And do you know why there's a Red Zaku 3? No, no. What, no. What's that? Not explained in the anime, but um, that Red Zaku 3 was commissioned personally by Haman Ooh. with the intention that Shar would use it, and she wanted to give it to him, but, you know, of course, he uh, was yeah. not down with her. Oh, shit. Oh, that's insane. It's a, a, a symbol of her unrequited love for him. Oh, damn. See, God dang, that's why I hope they expand upon this. Because when watching this, there's a you can tell there's a lot of backstory there, but you have to piece it together yourself unless you're reading the light novels. And of course, we don't have access to that unless we get it through illegal. Oh means. yes, we do. Uh, oh. There's uh, oh. there, there's the methods network. The oh, methods yes. network has been taken care of. All that. That's how I know all this stuff. Word. Anyway, um, so yes. Uh, it was made for Shar, but ends up being used by Danton. Mm-hmm. They're fighting off these mysterious mobile suits. Um, the Gundam being piloted by a cyber new type. Um, Arlette runs off and gets um, a psycho frame sample from the Sazabi, which surprisingly survived almost completely intact and has just been sitting on Axis for three years and nobody seemed to notice or pay any mind to it yeah (laughs) and then she hops into an incomplete mobile armor that was just sitting there and nobody seemed to notice Mm -hmm. uh pretty much gets her ass kicked and then saves the day with some psychoframe magic oh boy so there's some additional background that is not at all touched upon in the anime so Mm -hmm. you might wonder who were these people and what were they doing there Mm -hmm. so um, we're going to be getting into some UC history here because um, this is a private army called Burnham that is part of the Butch Concern or Bush Concern. I don't know how the hell you pronounce it, but they have a long <laughs> history in the background materials of Gundam. So mm-hmm. the Butch Concern was founded by a guy named Sharnhorst Butch who later bought an old royal name for more um, notoriety and changed his family's name to Rona. Oh, no. Oh, my God. And one of the characters in the novel is his son, Meitzer. As in Cecily's granddad. Oh, my God. So the father of Iron Mask, then. No, the father of her mother. Oh, okay. Well, shit. <laughs> um, 
least I'm pretty sure that yeah, that's that's how it that's how that family line. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that um, Caruso just married into the family and changed his name. Wow, it's nice to see direct links to uh, F91 then in this. So one of the things they're talking about in Twilight Axis in the novel is the uh, the naming of the new side that's going to be constructed, which will be called the Frontier Side. Oh no! Wow. And they're complaining about how slow uh, the Federation is with all of its bureaucracy and democracy and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. What you um, get from the novel and from the uh, model kit stuff is. Um, the Butch Concern, one of their companies does salvaging of space debris. So they've just been salvaging all of these parts of mobile suits mm. for years and years and years, and both legally and illegally acquiring parts and combining them and making suits. Yeah. So they made this Gundam, the Tristan, that's based off of the Alex, but has improvements. Uh, somehow they got their hands on a beer lent and customized it for space, and they built this Dendrobium-like mobile armor called the Kerwinol for the Tristan. Mm. Man. So the novel is still being serialized, so the anime kind of uh, beat it to the punch by getting to the end first. So I don't know how much um, longer or more detail there will be in the novel, but there's definitely a lot being cut out. There's um, a whole part where um, Arlette and Mehmet go down to a lab to copy the data from all the computer servers and they have a firefight with uh, Burnham ground troops and they beat them and capture them and then one of the um, captured enemy blows himself up and destroys most of the lab (laughs) oh shit shit. and then while they're searching for a um, a folder like a physical file folder that doesn't exist. She runs off to look for the Sazabi. And there's just a lot of stuff that is changed, uh, reordered, or just completely removed. And the novel definitely still uses the same flashback structure that we see in the anime. But in the anime, it just doesn't make any sense because you're not even told who any of these people are, what they're doing, what's going on. In fact, if you watch the video on Gundam.info for the first part, the video description pretty much explains the entire backstory you need to know that is not actually raised in the anime. Oh, wow. Mm. And what you come away with feeling is that this uh, ONA, which was made by a very small crew, uh, is just a glorified advertisement, even for Gundam, for these model kits, which makes me say... You know, if you just want to have a commercial for the model kits, you could just do, do a commercial an action focused short like like those old astray shorts from back yeah. in the day. Mm-hmm. That actually told a little story that still made sense. Exactly. Instead of this mess that feels like it was made by two guys, which is why everything like moves so stiffly. <laughs> yeah. And nothing makes uh, any sense, and I don't know what the hell they were thinking. So, what do you guys think uh, now after knowing all this extra information? 
I'd rather go get the novels. <laughs> it has intrigued me to check out the novels because uh, I felt like I was an outside looking in. Kind of like I felt like when uh, watching F91, although F91 has a lot more story than this does. But um, yeah, watching this, I, uh, I, I, I did my best to piece it together on my own, but uh, you filled in a lot of blanks that I had no clue on. Um, but I, I thought it was an interesting look and in, uh, events following... Um, a unicorn and it's an it's an era that i like to see more from so if they get another stab at this and can do a proper adaptation of the novels later on i'd love to see it uh once the novels are completed you know maybe they can do a movie or something that's kind of encapsulated into something a bit more uh, uh more concise that's not gonna happen oh, uh, they, not. they're doing they did a theatrical version which mm-hmm. is uh i think almost a misnomer mm-hmm. that aired mm-hmm. in a um a double feature with the second Thunderbolt movie. Yeah. And wow. it's coming out on Blu-ray and it has like one or two extra minutes of animation and Oh yeah. That's 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 it. <laughs> that that that'll really that'll really clear fill things in those up. Blanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a shame because it's it's <laughs> interesting how um Yes, this story like retcons some things by introducing these two people who were there, but you just never noticed were not there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it ties together everything from MSG up through Unicorn and makes some more complete connections with F ninety one, so that all gels, and then all of this is glossed over in the anime. Oh shit! <laughs> hey, Chris, I. I... Not to get off topic here, but I just want to pose this question to you: Do you get a, Do you get a sense that with all the UC stuff that they're just kind of throwing in there and stuff, that eventually there's going to have to just come a point where they're just going to have to re- hit the reset button on everything <laughs> because it just seems like a lot of this stuff is coming out of nowhere, and um, I don't know. I, I I guess it does give some depth to things, but then. Like you said, we get people that were there, but they, we didn't see them, and you know. Well, I, I would say but it's out of place, you know, technology, and it just—it I don't know. You know, for for running now forty years almost, it's uh, doing a pretty good job. Yeah, it's a yeah. surprisingly consistent universe. Definitely much more than say Star Trek. Yeah, oh, damn. which contradicts itself practically every episode on any given show. And if you look at it from Sunrise's perspective, that the most official stuff is only the stuff that's animated and you ignore all of the novels and all of the manga and all of the video games and you stick to just what's been animated, it's surprisingly pretty consistent. And, you know, yeah, there's all these endless arguments now about how Thunderbolt must be some alternate UC because the technology doesn't match and Origin must be some alternate UC, which is a bunch of nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it's no different at all from in the 90s. People used to argue that 083 didn't fit because all of the technology yeah. Uh, yeah. didn't match and 8th MS team yeah. didn't fit because it introduced mobile suits too early and had all of this technology that didn't match either and blah 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 and at the end of the day like who freaking cares what, what does any of this matter yeah okay so there's more gundams running around in the one year war so <laughs> so yeah is this really that important 
there's not always really. going to be Gundams hiding somewhere. It's just something you have to accept after a while. I mean, we didn't come up with the original yeah. Mobile Suit Gundam in 1979, so it's just not as mind-blowing for us as it is for uh, a lot of people who, you know, kind of saw every series as it came out. So it's a bit easier for us to accept that there was more than one Gundam in the one-year war. Uh, the one-year war is being told retroactively. I mean, it's a, it's the war that launched a thousand ships <laughs> when it comes to these uh, different uh, different series and all that stuff. You know, there's, there's ties to characters in the one-year war. <laughs> get introduced in every series, and uh, that 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 and the ripple effects well, of that I, will continue to affect other series in that timeline. So, um, yeah, I, I always think about it now. With all, I don't really have an issue with all the Gundams running around because, in the end, I think I, I look at it. The reason why, because it's it's almost even kind of clearly stated with um, you know even in Zeta that um, Armuro, I think he was just you know how they always latch on to a war hero. You know, he was just the war hero they latched on. So, of course, the ARC-78-2 was always going to be the more popular one because it was his Gundam. And mm-hmm. I, so that that's why. But I, I just, I, I was just kind of wondering. Um, I, I didn't think, it, I didn't think it was an issue. I just was kind of just posing the question because I do agree with you, Chris. I think that it is um, uh, doing a pretty good job for something that's been around for so long uh, if, of really kind of keeping all of these prequels and midquels and stuff like that that are in between these uh, time periods, even though the technology's progressed in our world and they're integrating it, it's not as yeah. bad. Yeah. And, y- you know, you look at, say, how Star Wars used to do it with the old Expanded Universe, mm-hmm. you know, there's no ambiguity with Gundam. They don't count any of that stuff yeah. as official, whereas with Star Wars, you know, they would always be wishy-washy about the old expanded universe, and then it's like, um, tell me again how the Death Star plans were stolen. Who, <laughs> who exactly did that? Was it Kyle Katarn? Was it somebody else? Which story are we believing right now? Yeah, it's a bunch of uh, you know uh, what's what's uh, what's the importance of Ice Cream Guy? Um, <laughs> you know, there's there's a you know who I'm talking about. The guy with the ice cream machine. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the hero. The hero of the rebellion, Will Rowhood. Yes. <laughs> Just some extra in, in, in Empire Strikes Back running around with an ice cream maker underneath his arm. And there's a whole story dedicated to him. Oh, and an action figure. Oh, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> with the ice cream machine. Nice. That's awesome. That's the best. <laughs> Which, by the way, the ice cream machine contains vital secrets for the rebellion and this yeah. hero gets captured and tortured by the empire, but you know he he doesn't he doesn't talk. Oh, <laughs> and it, good and, for him. And those secrets taste. Aren't like you fudge. glad you know that now? Oh I, I am I am glad to know that. And those secrets no. those secrets taste like fudge ripple. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but so, um, one, one last thing. Um, going back to Arlet Almage Al Mage in uh. In, uh, in Twilight Axis, um, you guys uh, think that uh, she's just one of many uh, uh, young new types that Char just uh, uh, took a uh, took a shine to and saw kind of her innate talent, uh, which is why he plucked her out of uh, the Flanagan Institute before they disposed of her. Because I think of her, I think of uh, 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 Camille, I think of uh, other, uh, of course, uh, Lala. And um, that's pretty much the whole point. She would have yeah. been killed otherwise. She would have been disposed yeah. of. Yep. And he saw that she had some function and put her to work in that way. So, exactly. yeah, that's pretty obvious. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying is like she's just one in a long line of uh, of those kids that uh, Char had an impact on. So 
uh, it's it's interesting that uh, they still find ways to mine uh, stories out of that. And uh, I, I, out of everything, I guess uh, this had this had featured. I, I like that probably. It's one of the one of the better moments in it. I, I would say to me. But uh, well, if you, I mean, if you think about it, the whole thing with after the after the war, because I've always wanted more of just like immediately after the one year war mm-hmm. the fact with these institutes and stuff even with the fact that the federation was doing the same type of testing and, and stuff with the new type yeah eventually yeah. they're probably going to have to try to get rid of them and what an easier way of doing it than saying oh well they just got caught up in the final battles of the one year war oh, wow. it was a terrible thing you know so yeah uh, pretty screwed up well you look all it's like you go you go back to um those Flanagan kids from Eighth MS team from the yeah. not so great yeah. finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What an ending. <laughs> yeah, what what an ending here, or or rather, almost lack thereof. So, um, you know, let's uh, let's give this some some ratings. Well, uh, go ahead. T- uh, breathtaking story. Uh, I'd have to give it like. Um, Two low rent Alex's out of five. Solbro, I I'd give it because uh, I see the potential with it, but I don't think we're gonna get anything more animated. Uh, unfortunately, um, I give it a two point five. Uh, 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 bad beta tests <laughs> out of five. I'm gonna give this one um, two and a half unsecured. Uh, research facilities out of five. There you go. <laughs> because you have to wonder. Also, let's 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 get to this point because I've been wanting to to rant about this for a while. Go for it. How dumb is the Federation that um, they basically sat on Axis for three years before giving it to Shar, and they never really thought to check it over yeah. for like old mobile suits or secret data or whatnot. And then the second Neo Zeon War happens, and the Axis shock, and oh my god, and blah blah blah, and then they let Axis sit there <coughs> for yet another three years, and nobody ever thought to go check it out and look for secret goodies. And then the Laplace incident happens, and it's like, oh shit, maybe we better lock down the Psycho Frame stuff. Yeah, I, I don't understand it either. I mean, that place is probably. Uh have, have, probably has tons of secrets inside of it and um, all the things that they could have... Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they sent people in initially, but they just didn't find it to be a priority, I guess. But Probably didn't, probably didn't do a very good job. Yeah, for the Zazami well, to see sitting think, out in the open? Think, good lord. Yeah, I, I, just think, I just think it's a convenient thing and I think when you look at a lot of these UC uh, shorts and these subsequent stories, there's always a little tinge of the whoever's writing these stories is like you know the federation's completely incompetent and zeon and or neo zeon or whatever and they're just a little bit you know ahead of the curve because as incompetent and bureaucratic as the federation is if you just had another war and you took over an asteroid that you know uh, you were looking they're gonna go in there i mean come on it's just it really makes it where, like, oh, well, they just ended the war and they didn't care. It's like, I don't get that. And I just, that's the thing I get sometimes with some of these things. You see a tinge of, like, it's always skewed more towards 
Zeon or whoever it is at that time. So, well, and if you go by the novel, in the novel, there's actually even more mobile suits in the hangar aside from just the two that they find and then the mobile armor. Oh wow! Oh wow! Jeez. So yeah. I mean, just for anyway, <laughs> just for spare parts. Anyway, let's move on to the uh, the big dog of the night, which is episode five of the origin clash at loom and you know originally when this was first announced it was gonna be four episodes but then they pulled a unicorn and expanded (laughs) it to six (laughs) so i'm not going to talk about this too much because you can read the review uh we talked about this also in depth in um in depth in the manga version when we whenever we talked about volume eight i think Mm -hmm. mm-hmm is what this is covering. So we're nearing the end of the flashback parts that uh, this whole series has been based on. So the long and the short of it is that the one-year war has started, and the Xeon are invading the colonies. You have some developments like um, Rambaral quitting the military because he sees what Operation British is and doesn't want to participate in it because he thinks it's shameful. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Operation British happens, and we see in um, you know gut wrenching detail the little interludes with the the young lovers. Oh yeah, who man. have no idea what fate has in store for them. Yuki and Fong Lee, man, they they look like protagonists of a series. Too bad they the, the series got cut short. They they do. <laughs> yeah. They, they were just on the wrong colony. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad break. <laughs> um, yeah. We, we see some, some antics with Amaro and, uh, and Kai being the troublemaker that oh, he is. Yes. Um, we see a lot of... Um, Moral justification for Operation British, which it's interesting to see the scene where uh, Dolzo basically has this nervous breakdown in front of Zena, mm-hmm. but then to to move on has to justify to himself that, you know, well, these people all deserved it because they were too weak to defend themselves from us, so it's their fault. Wow. Yeah, it's, it is weird justification. They're a demented family. Yeah. I mean, at, at at this point, like, just from Operation British alone, the the zombies are collectively like thirty Hitlers. Jesus, yeah. as many people as they've killed. With the amount yes. of people that they've killed. Yeah, and then and then it's like, but that's just the start for them. That's this is just the beginning of the war, and they've already pulled thirty Hitlers. Wow. Yeah. Not only just the colonies that they've decimated, but the people they killed all over Earth with the debris from the colony. I totally forgot how many people died uh, just from the entry of that colony hitting. The fact that they split into three parts America got decimated by debris Canada got um, got a piece of that, uh, a huge chunk of uh, one of the parts of the uh, colony of course Perth got completely wiped, uh, southern uh, southern Australia got wiped out and um, yeah, uh, it's it was a mess and Asia got rocked by uh, her, her, uh, this bad weather uh, as, an, as, as a result of tsunamis. the uh, tsunamis and whatnot as a result of the colony drop-in. Which, so. you know, is a nice little bit of world-building because 
when uh, the white base travels through all of these areas, it they're really shows out. why they're so devastated and depopulated. Yes. That's why you see so few people when they're in America, when they're in Asia, that it's just <coughs> this wrecked, depopulated mess because of the fallout of Operation British. Yeah, not to mention the disease and the famine that followed. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So it was nice to see the, the after effects of Operation British aside from just, you know, Sydney being blown away. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get into some more stuff about Char and his rivalry with the black right, Tri-Stars yeah. because they just cannot fucking stand him. Yeah. <laughs> and he shows them up every time. And he shows them up every <laughs> damn time. <laughs> and we get into um, the start of the Battle of Loom and we... Seashar uh, starting to make the name for himself as the Red Comet because he's removing the limiters on his suit so that he can massively overaccelerate and streak like a Red Comet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where this episode ends, which um, is deceptively called Clash at Loom because it really ends basically at the start of Loom and, and that's going to be followed up in the last episode so Sobra what are your thoughts on episode 5 I really enjoyed this adaptation this actually might be my favorite episode of The Origin so far just because they had so much going on I, I heard some people complain about the pacing and the fact that they may have focused on some things that maybe they shouldn't have spent as much time on but I kind of liked um, just a glimpse of the one week war because this is pretty much the one week war and um, our glimpse of what it was uh, the build up leading to the Battle of Loom so it's an interesting time in uh, the Universal Century I don't remember the Kai the antics with Kai and uh, Hayato and Amaro in the book. Was that new to this? I have to go back and look. No, it happened. It happened, it in, happened the book. in there. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that does explain the animosity, the pure animosity they have for Amaro. Because uh, the one moment where they're getting the shit kicked out of them and Amaro was trying to walk away, but he stops for a second and he looks and is like, oh, fuck, I should go back there and take my licks. But he just leaves. <laughs> Lends to his character development later when he fi- when he finds out that he has to stand up and 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 face things and um, become a stronger person. So uh, and and also kind of sense of the dy- dynamic between Kai and Hayato and him. So I love the fact that it lends itself towards that. Um, the stuff on Island Ifish with uh, Yuki and Fong Lee, I find fascinating because you know the impending doom that's coming their way, and these people think they have a shot and they don't. The feeling you get when they are are sealing up the colony with uh, whatever uh, metal they're using to kind of close out the the view of the viewports and to keep the sun from coming in because they're getting it ready to throw it into Earth uh, Earth's atmosphere. It's 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 uh, it's it's creepy, man. It really is, and uh, I just had my skin tingling because um, it, it just just to know that these people are in 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 for the worst time of their lives and and the last moments of their lives is. Uh, pretty awful and 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 for it to linger on that just is unsettling but i'm glad uh they actually showed that because it it increases the impact pun intended of uh when they throw the colony on earth and how many lives were sacrificed and puts a personal face on it you know it's like they say uh the the death of one person is a tragedy but the death of you know a million is a statistic where in this case we we know the statistics but it's it's interesting to see the actual victims that were affected by uh 
by by the 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 decimation of side two. So uh, that was interesting. Um, uh, uh, Sela Sela stole the show in this. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, you don't mess with Sela. You don't no. fuck with Sela at all. Uh, she is uh when she when she uh when she's put to the test, man, she becomes a savage. <laughs> Just as scary as her brother. Oh, if not more so. wow! I would not want to fuck with the. Uh, <laughs> with Zion Daikun's uh, kin, man, they are they are something else. But uh, to see her organize the people and fight back against those Federation hooligans, and then um, her just go to work with that uh, that Winchester man, it's one of my favorite moments from the manga. And they they did it justice in the animation, man. Uh, I think this episode was expertly animated, and as with every episode, and this might be the longest episode. It's like an hour and twenty minutes. I, this it felt like a film, to be honest with you. And. Also, the sad death of Don Tiabolo, who has no mouth but must scream. Yeah, right? <laughs> there was that scene oh. where they showed him in the bed. He had no mouth at all. <laughs> it was super weird. That's how sick the man was. He literally lost his mouth. mouth yeah. <laughs> Wild stuff. But uh, bad sickness. But yeah, just to see how that uh, that death rocked her. And to find out that her brother is alive, thanks to uh, Tachi telling her uh, when he pays her a visit at the hospital. I thought it was a nice, uh, a nice reveal, and even she already had her suspicions. Maybe just a feeling that her brother was still out there, even though she was told he was dead. But to get the confirmation and then to see him later in the red mobile suit, just as he described, you know, um, it kind of thrust her on the path to side seven, um, which is awesome. Uh, you know, we get to see exactly what got her to go there and know her backstory too. So um, I really appreciate that uh, as part of the story. Um, other than that, man, uh, everybody in Texas has got guns, man. It's not a lie. It doesn't matter if it's the, the actual state or the colony, man. Don't fuck with Texas. <laughs> hey, space Texas don't mess around. Oh, they yeah. sure don't, man. God damn. They came packing. But, uh, yeah, um, overall, man, uh, it was uh, the main event was, of course, the, the start of the siege at Loom and to see how Char just got accustomed to how fast his suit moves. I, I love how he chided those guys who told who said, well, we don't think he can handle the G-forces, so we put safety precautions in the suit. He said, turn them shits off. I can do it. And so we finally got to see him handle those uh, the G-forces and uh, move three times faster. I don't know how he's shooting ships down as fast as he's moving. When you see it from his perspective, it's like, this is insane. How are you diving through these ships and shooting cockpits? Uh, uh, <laughs> That's because he's only going... 30% faster. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> but to see how this all kicks off, and then we get to see the rest of it next episode. Uh, fantastic setup, man. I, I really enjoyed this episode. It had a lot of character and uh, a lot of great uh, memorable moments uh, displayed in it, man. Fantastic stuff. But back to you, sir. Neo? Well, I gotta say this. All the people that love Zeon, mm-hmm. um, you gotta watch this episode. Yes. Um, yeah, your adulation of uh, adoring of Zeon and the Zig Zeon. Yeah, you're basically condoning um, <laughs> the murder, mass murder of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and mass murder in many different ways. Um, I did like seeing the Yuki um, little thing. I thought it was a little long. Mm-hmm. But because I, I, I actually. And one of the things I would have liked to see a little bit more is yes, we see Romba Raw. Um, you know, basically see what the zombies are and see what Zeon has become and saying, look, I'm not, I don't want to be part of it. How he survived the fact that the zombies seemed like they were killing everybody else. 
that was either in their way or they just didn't seem as being um, necessary for their you know their final thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he I don't know how he survived. Uh, to be honest with you, and I almost in a lot of ways I'd almost want to see the the Ross story of him leaving the military, but between that and getting back into the forces because there there had to have been a point where he was not. Um, being, um, you know, that he had to look behind his back and everything. But, um, yeah, the thing with Operation British, it, and I got to say, it, 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 it puts it, like Chris said, it really makes you, when you look at Mobile Suit Gundam, and they're going through America, and they're going through all these areas, because you're always like, why is America so devastated? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, maybe it's just war. And, but the fact that you see a large portion of the debris field just goes through America... Um, it makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. and it's just such a, oh, cause I'm sitting there and I'm like wondering, okay, they must've told all of the mobile suit pilots that, that were putting, you know, that, that film on the, on the co- the colony and stuff. They, they had to have lied to them that everybody got evacuated. Right. That, that was, that was the, that was the official line. I'd have to think because, or probably that they would be, or something. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, we have from the um, those little double eighty three shorts that uh, in some other colony gassings that Seema and her people didn't know that they were being given poison gas. Yeah, right. I, 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 but that's, I never understood that either because yeah. it's like, what were you giving them? Just laughing Back gas? gas. Well, yeah. at the same time, though, they were decimating colonies. Like when you first see the skirmish at side two, they're ripping colonies apart, like shooting yeah. mass lasers. So they're killing civilians. It didn't give them time to escape. So I can't imagine that they, they, they didn't know that they were going to be gassing these yeah, people it, and it, throwing it, them into the planet. It just it makes I sat there. And, you know, yeah, of course, I like Char as a character. Yeah, whatever. But I'm sitting there going, I mean, this is really one of the things that I've seen of any Gundam. You see Gundam where I'm sitting there going, wow, the people that really like Zeon, they're fucking either misguided or they really don't know. Because this just really showed the ugliness of Zeon. The fact that they were so desperate and you had this basically crime family that was running everything <laughs> and doing and just doing the most horrible things just to i don't even know what they're i mean and the fact that they're thinking that people are undesirable and all this other stuff and it's just like man this is just horrible and and i hope in real life we never get to the situation where we have the same well, type of things because like it, you said in one, it's like 30 in one case though in one case, though, and this is just one case, not not to say this is this so with anyone who likes Xeon, mm-hmm. I did encounter a Facebook profile of a guy who was super, super pro Xeon. <coughs> look at his Facebook, and it's like, oh, he's also an actual Nazi, too. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Well, damn. And I'm like, oh, well, that explains that. Oh, my God. Slick. Yeah. yeah, so it's, I mean... It it was really it really just puts because you know and you know we got to put everything in the vacuum of time here. First Gundam was done nineteen seventy nine, mm-hmm. and you and you hear you see the blurbs about what really happened. You know what got to that point and how everything was devastated, how many people were killed. But to really see it go the way it did is just terrible. Um, the 
the interaction between Char and the Tri-Stars is priceless because the, 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 the Tri-Stars have such an inferiority complex because of Char. And he's, and it's almost like Char's kind of messing with them at times. I mean, he, he kind of <laughs> knows. Well, he's definitely messing with them. He knows that these are just these, these overachiever bumpkin guys. And the the only reason why they're really where they're at is just because they're very brutal people. No no other skills or nothing nothing like that. And so he just he continues to antagonize it. Um, yeah, don't mess with Sela. You, you you definitely don't want to don't want that to happen. Um, you know, and some of the interactions when it comes to um, you know the little bit that we see of the Federation military them being almost a little complacent about what's going to be going on, not really realizing that Zeon was, I mean, a lot of what they're doing is just desperation moves. And, you know, so you understand why they're doing it, but, um, you know, it's, it's, you still get kind of that sense of like, Oh, the, you know, the, the Federation's such a crazy bureaucracy that it, it can't get anything right. Um, yeah, and of course the <laughs> thing with um, Armoro and Kai and Hayato and stuff, yeah. I mean, when you're like, oh, is your dad Ar- Temri? Oh, well, no problem. <laughs> you know? Why'd you say so earlier? Yeah, exactly. Run along, um, kid. <laughs> it does, it does make, it, it's great, it is, kid, it, you bother me. It is, it is kind of interesting to me that they got as far as they did. Mm-hmm. And not get killed. Like, the bullets went everywhere, everywhere but in their bodies. <laughs> The, the second they crossed over, it's like machine guns activate. No yeah. warning, no announcement, no anything. Just fucking machine gun in your face. Some shit's fired yeah. for like a full minute. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, and and it is a little misleading. It's you know the the clash of, of Loom is pretty much the, what, what about the last ten minutes of a hour and twenty minute episode. But um, you know, yeah, we're gonna definitely see. Um, See the good stuff next episode. I I, I want to see the rebel capture. I that oh, yeah. that to me has got to be because it's like you know in a way I think they're just going to capture his escaping lifeboat. So, but um yeah I probably would say the most entertaining of the um uh and 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 kind of put everything full circle with the one year war, especially the beginning of the one year war. Um, that and it, and it's amazing too because what is this this after this one week after the one week battle mm-hmm. it's basically they go to Antarctica to do the treaty of like no we're not going to do colony drops we're not going to use chemical weapons or nuclear weapons I'm like that was the point that they could agree on they still uh, didn't agree that maybe we should just stop the war because so many more people are going to die but um, I mean whatever well things are a little different with this episode because um. There's an established chronology in Gundam of how events in the One Year War mm. unfolded, mm-hmm. and Origins in the manga was a little bit different, and the anime follows through. So now there's a little bit of a Star Trek style continuity error because um, the only place in animation that all of these early One Year War dates was ever used was Igler. <laughs> Okay. Oh, yeah. So if you go by the old continuity from like the side materials and from Igloo, um, Operation British was initiated on the second day of the war. And uh, then by the end of that first week, Island of Fish had crashed 
into Earth. Um, so in Origins revised timeline, um, Operation British starts in the second week, mm. and then it takes a, almost a week for the colony to get to Earth, which, if you think about it, it makes a lot more sense because, um, you know, yes. it would take Zeon some time to capture and fight all of these colonies. Yeah. yeah. Rather than just on the second day of the war. I'm trying to remember yeah. how long it took for the colony that they tried to throw at Earth in uh, 0083 to get where it was going. Um, quite a while. Yeah, quite yeah. a while, yeah. So that, that's more in line with uh, what's been established since uh, the original series. Boy, I bet the Federation surely wished they had a GX. Because <laughs> um, when, they, when they were bringing out all those uh, Salamis and uh, Magellans out there and, and trying to do what they can with, um, uh, you know, trying to get the island Ipish to be broken up, mm-hmm. um, you know, to not even hit Earth, man, that was kind of a futile effort. Um, but, geez, um, yeah. So, but back to you, Chris. Well, I don't really have... Um that much that I can add beyond what you guys have said. I definitely enjoyed the all the detail of seeing the Operation British unfold because it really shows the human tragedy of what mm. happened there because uh, when Gundam has talked about it, usually in all these sequel OVAs, they mention stuff like the destruction of Australia, which itself was tragic, but mm-hmm. you know, before that you had, you know, all these people who were hundreds of thousands of people, maybe a, a million or more, who were just gassed to death yeah. by virtue of um, you know, living in a colony that Zeon didn't like, and you know, just the creeping sense of dread of, oh, they're covering up the windows so that we can't see anything. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's part of it, but <laughs> that's not really it, and you just have no idea what's going to happen to you. Oh, man. Um, also interesting seeing in this episode really what a simpering fool Garma is. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at him in this episode and just his hysterical reactions and you get and you're th- and you're thinking to yourself, in less than a month, this guy's gonna be appointed commander of the Earth Attack Force. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's like talk about uh, nepotism and daddy's love at work because holy shit, is there anyone more unqualified? Well, the fact, the fact that he's, I mean, I don't know what he was expecting. I mean, you're sitting there watching a battle unfold and he's freaking out because he's seeing uh, moose eyes and stuff getting destroyed. And it's like, um, what did you expect? Like, I mean, and, and you're asking, you know, just. I mean, oh, why, why aren't they doing more? Why aren't they saving? It's like, what do you expect here, man? I, I don't get it. And like you said, and I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, man, and he's going to be the he's going to be the commander of like all of America. <laughs> so <laughs> kind of crazy. Yeah, he was lucky. He was uh, he was in charge of the ground troops because he was not cut out for space. Not after seeing him react the way he did. You know, I was a I was a Garma. I was, I liked Garma for quite a bit until uh, seeing more and more of him in this series and seeing just. How much of a bit of a bitch he is. <laughs> it's like, you know what? You you deserved everything you got. Oh, shit. Because of the misfortune of your birth. No doubt. <laughs> oh, they're, 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 such, they're just such a terrible family, too, the Zobbies. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I mean, it, it just amazes me that in the end, you know, in the, in, in the regular Gundam continuity, that 
for so long after these people are wiped out of existence. There's so many loyalists to them. I mean, it's like these were horrible, horrible people. And well, you know, look look at uh, look at the real world. How you have all sure. of these neo Nazis and whatnot, and um, you know, just to make a, a dramatic point, not not to make any political point here, but mm-hmm. you know, if you've got stuff like um, Holocaust deniers, deniers yeah. you could certainly have Operation British deniers. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. You could you could have I'm sure that there are people who would deny that Zeon ever did anything to harm space noise and that that's all um, Federation propaganda. And that's the crazy thing about it is it's all of you know the whole facade of it is space noise independence and everything. Yet these guys are just gassing these colonies and indiscriminately look at, uh, fighting them. Look at uh, Delaz and Gato like. Man, those guys drank the Kool-Aid so deeply, like the entire bowl of the Kool-Aid. <laughs> if there yeah. was a bowl of Kool-Aid at Jonestown, which there was not. Uh, yeah. But like they, they thought that Zeon was this pure, noble, righteous cause, and that Garen was the bee's knees. And it's like, you guys are in the military, and even you have no fucking idea. Yeah. Well, like... Like you said, though, the whole thing with Dozel, Dozel is the perfect example is it doesn't matter unless it really happens to me. You know how people, oh, you, yeah. you know, not to get political yeah. or anything, but, you know, we shouldn't have this or you shouldn't have that. You know, uh, you know, I have a right to do this or I have a right to do that until that thing hurts them or hurts a family member or somebody close to them. Here, this guy is like, oh, yeah, we're going to be doing all this stuff. And then he sees his child. He's like, Oh my God! How many of uh, we're going to kill all these kids that are going to be just like my, you know, my lovely Marneva? And then, then he just completely justifies it. Well, you know, she's she's more special because she's a zombie, and they're not worthy and stuff like that. It's like, yeah. wow, that's some freaking evil well, that's, shit. That's the cognitive dissonance at work because yep. otherwise, the only alternative is insanity to accept. Yeah. That you have done this horrible thing and caused so much devastation and killed so many innocent people for nothing. If you cannot accept that, then the only thing you can do is is ex- embrace this cognitive dissonance to try to justify and say, well, they deserved it because they were weak. Yeah. Well, what is the most pathological, li- pathological liars are liars to themselves before they're liars to everybody else. So Very true. I mean... I mean that's basically what it is, but yeah, it's it's some chilling shit in this uh, episode. And you know the thing is, in MSG, Dozel seemed like he was probably the most decent out of the zombies because <laughs> he was a family man and yep. he cared mm-hmm. about his wife and daughter. And it's like, no, he's just as much a monster as all the rest of them. And, well, and- like just just like Solbro said, mm-hmm. you know, he had this thing about Garma, and you think about Garma. Of just being, you know, okay, he's this born born in the wrong family and stuff like that and blah, blah, blah. But then you just see him in the origin. I, I know they're two different, entire, entirely different things, but you just see him and, I mean, they're all just nuts. Every one of the zombies was crazy yeah. in their own weird way. I mean... We just see it more and more in the in the uh, in the origin here. And as 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 such a 
as an exuberant guy as Dozel is, it's a shame that he just follows his his two older brothers uh, by the nose, by the, by the for the most part. Like everything that Girin says is 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 the law, and he'll follow it to the letter, no matter you know how horrific it well, is. A lot of it's fear, though. I mean, look yeah. how many people they killed. Um, you know, and, and I mean, you don't yeah. think that that's not part of it where, but he, he wasn't strong willed I mean, like say Cecilia was Cecilia, you know, as much as she is also, um, to blame for a lot of the, the horrific oh, things that Zeon did. She, at least I respect her more than anyone else's Zeon because she actually had restraint. And, you know, when, when, when shit popped off too harsh, she would actually, you know, take action. And I, I would, I'll give her more credit than any other Zeon, member of the Zeon family. But Dozel, my respect to him went through the floor <laughs> with the fact that he doesn't have and a mind know, of his own. What's interesting is that you, you can see that these people clearly know what they're doing yeah. is wrong because there's a couple of mentions made of like, yo, if we fuck this up, we're going to be put on trial as war criminals. No so, yeah. you know, that's your incentive to succeed. <laughs> and, 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 and you can really see in this where um, Degwin is just completely out of, out of, has no power, and he just realizes that he, you know, what, what he started, you can almost see the dread of his like, man, I should not have done what I did because I brought my, uh, you know, homicidal children into this stuff, and, you know, they're just unleashing hell on it. You almost kind of feel bad for him to a point, uh, even though he did a lot of evil shit by, you know, killings Almost. and that stuff. Yeah. But then, yeah. like, you, you factor in that at the end of his life, he tried to do the right thing. Yeah. And he could have, if not for his fucking murderous son. Yeah, he was mm-hmm. way out of control by that point in time, and there's no way that no way that ship was turning around. <laughs> it was only right. well on his way, man. But, um, yes, I, I think that uh, episode five, especially with its longer running time, uh, really had sort of a, a feature film feel and covered a lot of ground and you know because we're now in the swing of the actual one-year war and you have mobile suits fighting officially and everything it feels much closer to msg yeah yeah absolutely because we started having no mobile suits then we had these crappy mobile workers then we had the early mobile suits and now it's just the straight up one-year war yeah, yeah, and it's all going to come to an end. Uh, I think in May of 2018 is when episode six comes out, and I know that fans like to hope and dream. And the the going theory that fans have, which is you know based on nothing, um, other than um, Yaz saying, "Sure, it'd be nice to do more beyond these six, but nothing's been approved." Mm-hmm. The fan theory is that this is all leading up to, because it ends in 2018, that in 2019, for the 40th anniversary, we're going to get the full uh, remade TV series version of Origin. Well, uh, it's, it's an option that they can definitely think about, but uh, if they're going to do something like that, gonna... you don't think it's going to happen? Huh? <laughs> Look, I've, I've been saying this for, for many years, and I need to keep adding more years to it. Um. It's been 38 years since the original series aired. Yeah. And if Bandai wanted to remake it, they would have done so by now. And they don't need to have waited for some um, arbitrary milestone 
to have done it because there have been plenty of big anniversaries before now. Yeah. Yeah. And they channel people into Universal Century just fine. They do all of these alternate universes that funnel people into Universal Century. They do all of these side stories and games and everything, and it's worked just fine. So mm-hmm. I I just don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I, and, and I agree with you because I look at it this way. The remakes of or the reboots of First Gundam is a lot of the alternate series stuff. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, a lot of them are... They've already remade MSG a couple of times, like, Mm. say, Seed, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and I... I don't see that. What what I see more likely happening, if if we're talking about stuff for 40th anniversary, uh, there's a new manga set after Double Zeta called Moon Gundam that... uh, Returns to Moon Moon. Oh, wow. And it's written by Harutoshi Fukui of uh, Gundam Unicorn. Given that he's a big-time guy, and he's already worked on something that's been adapted, my bet would be that Moon Gundam gets done because it features Amuro, Mm -hmm. and it's uh, a pre-Shars counterattack side story so you're kind of filling in some of the gaps between double zeta and shars counterattack and of course you could still have um zeon remnants running around and that would uh kind of fit so yeah. that's where i'm putting my that that moon gundam will probably get adapted and it would not surprise me if the work on that is already happening as we speak because that's in essence what happened with twilight access wow. and, and, and you got to look at it like this is what a perfect way of just getting people interested in Double Zeta. I mean, if you look at it, Double Zeta is available here in the States on Blu-ray. I mean, it's all over. So I, I think in some ways it makes sense to do what they're doing when it comes to these little side stories because you can make it like, well, you know, hey, you like this? You you were wanting to know what some of the stuff that was going on. Hey, there are these old shows that we have. Go and get them. <laughs> because in the end... It costs money to remake all this stuff, so yeah. I just I, like I, yeah. I just don't see it. I, I agree with you, Chris. I, I don't. I don't see it either. You know the the origin OVAs are expensive and they take a lot of time to animate. Yeah. If you do a TV show that starts off with the story at side seven and runs through all the way to about a coup, doing all the stuff that origin does, but obviously not the flashbacks because we've already had them done, mm-hmm. uh, you're not going to be able to maintain the same level, level of, of visual quality as Origin. It's going to yeah. be at the level of, say, like Orphans. Yeah. yeah, Which had some really bad animation sometimes. <laughs> Jesus. So, you know, if you're, if you're deluding yourself into thinking that you're going to get this, like, really detailed, well-animated OVA-level stuff on a TV show, then, you know... I got and, some swamp real estate to sell you. I mean, and, and and why is and why would you want it redone anyways? I mean, really, what outside of the fact of what just updating the visual look of it? I mean, I mean I, I'm really. Not, I mean, what's the what's why? I, I'm because not a, if, right. 
I'm just saying. I mean, why would you Speaking have to redo all that? Variant, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not opposed to the idea of them animating the rest of Origin. I would just rather <laughs> they go along the lines of what they've already done, which is to do it in in, in spurts, where it's an OVA that does, that's featured. Well, that would also take forever, though. Which I is mean, fine. They could, yeah. they could spend the rest of their time doing that. And it's that, expensive. Then. It it's is. Expensive. But it, yeah, it, take it, like that. Take like twenty years, man. I, I mean, I, look, at, look at the rate that they're going. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It, it could take. It could take at least. A decade if they if they if they stepped up production, but um, at the same time, I mean, it's a story that's it's, that's timeless, and um, I yeah, would but love... it's already out there though. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's already, already out told. there in several forms. It's been told in, in the TV series yeah. form and a movie. I, like I said, I'm not against the idea. I don't think it's going to happen either. I, they did put a teaser out about a year ago called Gundam Rising, and it's like this 10 second. Uh, teaser, which is done in the animation of Gundam: The Origin, where they show the Gundam rising off the platform from the first yeah. episode, and that's just that's I'll, just for a kit, though. Yeah, a lot of people thought it had something to do with the. the mm-hmm. They had put out the Origin version RX seventy eight, I think, as an MG. Yeah. So that teaser was just a commercial for that. Yeah. Look, if Sunrise goes mm-hmm. and says, "Hey, we're gonna do the rest of Origin as." Uh, you know, an OVA or a TV series or whatever. Mm-hmm. Fine. I mean, I watch it, but I would rather that they do something new. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I, at the end of the day, I've, I've, I had that's my choice in the matter. If I had my choice in the matter, I'd rather them do something original or something that adds to the Universal Century uh, mythos, like, say, for instance, the adaptation of that uh, of that Moon Moon uh, uh, series that's being worked on now. So that sounds pretty intriguing. I would love to see if that's going to be a build-up to Char's counterattack and uh, it shows how Char gets back into um an active role in playing in um in in, in events and all that so that'd be dope. i mean i mean people have to realize that sunrise yeah they're a big company in japan but they're just not a super huge company yeah absolutely. and they're they're i mean these things cost a lot of money to do and they only have so many studios and they've yeah. had this one studio uh working on origin which i believe was the same studio that before this had done unicorn so mm-hmm. you know they don't have infinite resources and you know all these animators are uh if you've been reading anything about the anime industry in the last few years are massively overworked and ridiculously underpaid yeah it's it's a mess so yeah i mean they're not they you know origin is not going to last forever i don't think you know i think they'll just have this studio move on to some other high quality production and it would not surprise me if this studio, if Moon Gundam were to happen, it would be this studio doing it because they've already adapted Fukui stuff before. Mm-hmm. And maybe right now, who knows? Because, <laughs> you know, Origin 6 is, is almost here. Yeah. So I guess we'll see what happens. But uh, no problem. We'll man. see you next year and I'll, and I'll come back next year to complain about it. Of course. Because <laughs> that's what I do. Exciting times. Sounds good. So uh, let's uh, wrap things up with some ratings for Origin Five, Soulbro. Uh For me, I would. This is uh, probably my favorite episode so far, so I'd probably give this uh, uh, four point five uh, Savage Sailors out of five. Mm. Neo, I'd have to uh, give this uh, four and a half Zombie War Trials out of five. <laughs> war Crimes Trials, yeah. I'm going to give this one four and a half doomed young lovers out of five. Oh, man. That's bad stuff. Sad times. (laughs) 
Well, he, he, I he, will, he, uh, he really uh, he really fought off the gas, though, didn't he? Well, he tried. Like, everyone else yes. is dead. It's like, damn, this guy is really fighting this thing on. It's like, I can make it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, bro, she's already dead. And oh. even if you did, you're going to burn up in the atmosphere anyway. <laughs> Cremation is in your future. <laughs> Which, you know, um, how horrible is it to hear one of the Xeons say, like, you know, better to die this way than, you know, to see Earth coming up on you? It's yeah. like, it's a horrible comment, but it's right. Yeah, it, yeah, I was like, holy shit, he just said that? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I think I'd yeah, buy I'm choosing I, I, that. I, I, I'd prefer like almost a peaceful, you know, gassing to death versus, you know, being alive on the colony as, you know, it enters the atmosphere and Ooh. all that, you know, compression and it busts open and you get sucked out Ooh. into space and and then yeah, that's that, that would be a bad way to go. I guess it's mm. a, the, the not that being gassed to death unnecessarily is a good way to go. No, nah, if the, <laughs> if both could be avoided, that'd be nice. But in that case, gas me up. <laughs> With all of that said, I will turn it over to you, Solbro, to uh, take us out. Well, guys, thank you very much. Uh, for those who have been listening, uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Gundam and MHQ, episode 191. We spoke about, uh, of course, uh, we caught up with uh, Batlog, Gundam Build Fighters Batlog, episodes 3 and 4. We discussed uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Twilight Axis as well, uh, the culmination of those episodes, and we rounded out our potpourri <coughs> of Gundam uh, discussion with our review of Gundam The Origin, episode 5. And uh, thank you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed the reviews. Uh, before we go, you guys know to hit the websites, mhq.net and, of course, uh, gundamp.net. You can find the podcast in those locations. And before we go, man, I want to give a big congratulations to the one and only Chris Guanche. Uh, if you guys don't know, Chris recently tied the knot with his uh, with right. his sweetheart. And uh, I want to, on the show, uh, bestow uh, my congratulations to you, sir. It's yeah, been congratulations, Chris. If anything, if we, if we haven't spoken to you since uh, since you got married, man. How's married life, sir? Just the same as before. Oh, man, you, get, <laughs> with a ring. You, know, you get that? Oh, you get that lacy chair. <laughs> so it's still it's still putting your pants on one leg at a time. Exactly. Only when pants are necessary. There you go. I need you two to have arguments like uh, like Archie and Edith. All right, let's do this. <laughs> well, thank you very much. It's terrible, but. Yeah, man, my hat's off to you, man. I, I hope the wedding was uh, great, and I hope the uh, honeymoon was even better, man. Honeymoon hasn't happened yet, so oh, shoot. can't tell you. Well, <laughs> all in due time. Mine, mine was delayed, too, so uh, if anything, I, uh, I I feel you on that one. But uh, props to Chris, man. You guys can send uh, <laughs> send him also. Uh, uh, congratulations to him uh, on Twitter at MAHQ.net and uh, wherever you find him. But uh, all right, guys, we're out of here, man. Thanks again for listening to Gundam at MHQ. We'll see you guys later. father always said he wanted you to be a pilot. He said a lot of things. I'm not a hero like he was. The kaiju. 
they're gonna come back. I'm not gonna be stuck waiting for someone else to come save my ass. Cadets, you better gear up. At MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. <sighs> I've gone a full day without exerting my energy. I don't know how people can live like this. Are you feeling any better? No, not really. The truth is, if I had to fight you right now, I would probably lose. Not bad, huh? It's crazy. All of a sudden, it feels like I've turned into an old man, Piccolo. You're an old man now, your grandpa. Ooh, you like those stars, Pam? If grandpa was feeling better, I'd take you way up in the sky so you could have a better look. But don't you worry. One day you'll be a Super Saiyan flying all by yourself. Yeah! Hey, I'm not your dad, ass silly. I'm your grandpa. Grandpa, grandpa. Grandpa's making you fly.